0: Hello and welcome fellow music lover. My name is Zachary Stockhill and you are listening to Travels in Music, the podcast that shares stories about music from all over the world and explores a musical planet. Thanks for joining me today. Refugee Week takes place every year across the world in the week of World Refugee Day on the 20th of June. In the UK, Refugee Week is a nationwide program of arts, cultural, and educational events that celebrate the contribution of refugees to the UK and encourages a better understanding between communities. Refugee crises are nothing new, and there are rarely easy answers or solutions. Depressingly consistent throughout history are those who seek to deny entry to those fleeing persecution and seeking asylum. Perhaps the most well-known and shameful example of this type of behaviour was the denied entry of European Jews seeking refuge in America, Canada, and other ports throughout the world before and during the Holocaust. The current European refugee crisis is enormously complex, and again it appears as if there are no easy answers or solutions. However, as a student of history, one thing seems very clear. History has repeatedly judged those who seek to build walls, rather than bridges, harshly. And when you consider the big picture, you realize that the crisis is not about foreigners or outsiders or so-called illegal aliens. It's about people. People fleeing unimaginable persecution, chaos, violence. People who simply want to be able to go about their lives without constantly fearing for them. And people who, in many cases, just want to be able to play and sing and share the music they love in peace, just like the rest of us. To commemorate Refugee Week, my guest today is Liz Murphy, the director of Music Action International. Liz has pioneered the use of singing and songwriting to help war and torture survivors find peace through personal expression and collective experience. Liz is also a professional performing musician, supporting artists such as New Order and Billy Bragg. In today's episode of Travels in Music, Liz tells me about her work with Music Action International and shares a number of moving stories about the incredible healing power of music, the challenges faced by refugees in the UK, and how sharing music with war and torture survivors has changed her life and her musicianship. In commemoration of Refugee Week, I hope you enjoy sitting in on my conversation with the director of Music Action International, Liz Murphy. Until the philosophy Which old one raised superior And another
1: Inferior Is finally and permanently
0: discredited and abandoned. Everywhere is war. First off, thanks for thanks for making time for me today. I really appreciate it. And um, the first question I'd like to ask you is for my listeners who might not know: What is Music Action International?
1: Music Action International is an organization based in Salford in the UK. We exist to support uh, refugees and torture survivors who have been affected by war and conflict. And we do this through using music to bring people together from different cultural backgrounds, to share and write music together, which has important social messages. But also as a way of people being able to overcome the traumatic experiences that they have experienced and and often continue to experience uh, while seeking asylum in the UK.
0: When you talk about important social messages, what, what do you mean by that?
1: Well... I can give you an example of one of the projects that we do. We have a project which which supports uh, torture survivors who are from all over the world. So places like Iran, Democratic Republic of Congo, Iraq, Afghanistan, uh, Syria. And we began the project uh, in partnership with an organization called Freedom from Torture. It was a therapeutic music project, which was the first aim that we would use the... Um, the amazing healing properties of music. We know that music changes our heartbeat, it changes our hormone levels, it reduces stress, um, it has a physiological impact on the body, and that that was the main aim of of the use of music within this project. What we felt was really important was that also people would share songs from their different cultural backgrounds in their own languages, and in the first year of the project, uh, we also made. Um, do a public performance as well. And we weren't sure whether people would actually want to perform in public. Sometimes the areas where they're housed, um, there's hate crime, or the communities actually don't accept the peop- the, the, the refugees quite often because they don't understand who they are or why they're here. And what, what started to come out of this project that became really important um, in this sort of uh, overcoming the traumatic experiences but actually having some meaning to life was that the group realized the the power of music to uh, be able to reach wider audiences to to express a message of who they were what they'd experienced what hopes they had for the future for the future of themselves of their families but also the future of humanity and this just uh, became a really really Uh, amazing way of connecting with audiences where audiences might come to the performance and feel like it might be a bit depressing or that it wasn't for them we purposely performed in places where it was audiences that had never heard this group before. And the feedback that we got was that it was just such an uplifting and moving and inspiring performance. But at the same time, it was putting across this, these personal stories and having that human connection uh, of the, the the refugees and the people who had been tortured. And um, that they were able to to tell their story and connect in a positive way and contribute something positive to the people that they performed to.
0: So just, I mean, that's fascinating, but just just so I understand. So you're saying that, that you, you didn't feel comfortable hosting concerts in some places because, like, there's serious hate crimes and, and the neighbourhood was kind of rejecting a lot of these people.
1: In in some of the areas where people are housed, yeah, there there are tensions amongst communities. Um, like I say, it's mainly because the communities don't have the opportunity to actually come together and... and and have a positive social experience there's there's often a lot of negative things in the media um there's things that aren't always necessarily um true that, that uh, there's misinformation that's spread about refugees and why they flee their countries and why they're here and, and what they want and um, and i think that what music and and the wider arts does is provides an opportunity where it's it's immediate connection and immediate communication but through something positive that helps to break down those prejudices and and those and to challenge the misinformation that that people have uh and and give the opportunity for people to meet on a a human level rather than as the other or something to be feared or or um yeah or 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 a problem or an issue
0: right right and And the people you're working with so I mean are they Syrians are they or do they sort of come from all over the world
1: um yeah, we work with people from all over the world um but specifically people who have um, escaped from torture or armed conflict and war so the main countries that people come from we do work with Syrians um but also Eritreans, Somalians um, Sudanese dem- people from Cameroon democratic Public of Congo Iraq Iran Sri Lankan Tamil uh, Kurdish people it's, it's a real range
0: and how do you find these people like like are do you are you promoting yourselves on online or or how how do you bring these people together
1: we approach partner organizations who are already doing some sort of outreach work with the groups in the first instance and um, this is really important because by working in partnership with organizations like British Red Cross or Freedom from Torture there's always there's already a certain level of trust that's been built up among the people that they work with and quite often people will come there to get other services such as a hot meal or to access advice um, because most of the people that we work with have never done music in their life before. And if we were to sort of send out an online advert or, or just something saying, come and try a music class, it might not be something that people would think was for them. But what we have found is that the way that we work with music, we do a lot of things that are nonverbal. We do a lot of things that are fully accessible and that involve everybody that somehow... Uh, the feedback we get is that once people take that step to join in with the music sessions, that what the positive impact actually has a much longer lasting effect, not only in the sessions where their, um, their mind goes somewhere else, their mind is away from the stresses and, and the traumatic experience that they've had either in their country of origin or in, um, for example, the UK where they don't have a safe place to live or, um, they might not have access to enough food, that kind of thing. Um, and they could be deported and sent back to the place where their lives are at risk. Um, these anxieties really have a, a physical and a, a mental impact on, on the person. And um, the feedback we get is that the music projects really reduce this for the time when people are focused on the music. But that actually then that music becomes a strategy and a way of being able to get disturbing thoughts out of the brain or to calm someone down or for them to sp- start singing at home with their family if their families are here and that kind of thing
0: see that's that's i mean i'm 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 impressed and i'm glad you're bringing up the sort of the physiological element to music as sort of a as a salve and a, as a healing power because i was actually i was thinking about you and your organization i was watching uh an american program television program called uh real time with bill maher not sure if you've seen it but the host, Bill Maher, was talking about um, some musician who was going on on some peace project in in Syria, I guess, and playing for people. And, and his point, Bill Maher's point was basically, you know, music doesn't change lives. You know, it, it's this is a waste of time. It's pointless. You know what these people need is food, shelter, that kind of thing music it's just kind of you know it, it's not it's not effective it's not really helpful, but what you're saying is aside from all the social benefits, there's actually physiological benefits for these people from playing and rehearsing and, and learning a new skill like music right
1: definitely yeah and and the the sort of turning point for me in my life where I began to realize this was um when I was about eighteen um I was studying music, so I I trained mainly in classical, but I I played in lots of different bands. I was really interested in music anyway. It was a huge part of my life. And um, I met a a girl who who was a student, and she'd been working out in Bosnia a couple of years after the war. And she was running a project that took students out to do music, dance and drama with children from all over Yugoslavia um, who um, came to uh, an island in Croatia. And we would sort of do swimming and games with the children. And then we would also uh, do music projects with them and, and essentially write an opera that was performed to the local people on the island. And I was really interested to get involved. And I was really interested in the sort of idea of using the musician skills and, and passion that I had and that was a big part of my life to be able to work with other people and just share that passion. So that's what I was interested in the first instance But when I actually got there, I I, I really, the whole experience was absolutely life-changing, very moving, very inspiring and uplifting and amazing and challenging and lots of different things Um and I actually I heard for the first time the, the music from Bosnia which is called Sevda and they have a very strong folk culture there which which everyone knows all the songs to all the tunes from all over ex-Yugoslavia and at, at the end of the evening this is when all the local volunteers from all different countries, Serbia, Croatia, Bosnia as well so you had multi-ethnic um, volunteers, they would also just sit and sing together and, and sing, uh, sing with the passion of a football crowd, but these beautiful songs that had very poetic lyrics. And um, this experience basically uh, became like a magnet. The country became like a magnet. And I, I went and lived and, and worked out there for a few years and um, still involved in in projects there. And what I found fr- through talking to people, because I, I can understand that view of, you know, music is, is it's, it's entertainment and it's a luxury and it's nice thing to do if you've got the money or, um, or you you know, these days you can access music and, and listen to it and that's great, but, you know, it's just something to fill the time. Um, it doesn't really have any important meaning. And um but what I found in Bosnia was that what people were saying is that when you are in a situation of survival, obviously people need bread and water to survive but the thing that really keeps people going is is the mental capacity and the mental reason for why they should keep going and and that is something that music can really bring is this this unifying thing that um that takes people almost out of the situation they're in and reminds them of, it can remind people of home, it can remind people of their childhood, it can remind people of lots of different memories. Um, but it also can, can yeah, give meaning to their existence as well as having this direct uh, and immediate physio- physiological impact. So I heard stories about um, children who were in orphanages and who after the war uh, had uh, become were, were, were highly traumatized and what we found in that instance was that immediately music was the, a way of channeling those energies and, um, and, and creating a safe environment where no one was asked anything language wasn't needed and because sometimes the, the the emotional experience of something as horrific as war or torture is so ingrained in the body and in the mind that actually words can't express what it is that you need to express and so something really physical like playing a drum or having playing a cello where the wood actually resonates your body I think is so so important and 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 really under-researched actually there's more and more research coming out now but I think that's something that is really needs to be done is to measure what what is the impact particularly in in these situations that that music really has something unique that um that is underutilized but also is is quite unknown as well.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm a musician as well, not a, not a professional, but um, I make it a point every single day to pick up the guitar just because there's something, aside from the fact that I want to get better, there's just something about it. And I think you're right. It is, it is partly just purely physiological, that resonance where you can feel the actual strings vibrating, you can feel the, the vibrations through your body. There's something deeply, deeply soothing about that yeah it's absolutely yeah. fascinating, and I think I mean the most obvious example of what you're talking about is when i that I'm just sitting here thinking about is like slave songs in in the in the United states before um before the end of the Civil War, and that you know these geez just i mean if you listen to sort of early early field recordings from from people who who still had these songs in their heritage, they just make you cry, and they're so gorgeous and without yeah. these songs, we wouldn't have rock and roll we wouldn't have jazz, we wouldn't have exactly. gospel music um but when you put them in context when you think these people were really in many ways singing for literally to survive you know just just something to get them through the day it's um it's enormously moving yeah
1: exactly and i think in a way because music is so available and so ubiquitous that it's it is quite easy to overlook you know any meaning that it could have um and the, the project that I was talking about earlier, that's with torture survivors, that was actually is the
0: harmonized project.
1: Uh, it's called Stone Flowers. Right, this project, right. yeah. So that project was actually the the it was initiated because of an article that we read um, about music being used as a form of torture in places like Guantanamo Bay. Yeah. Um, so I think that's the other really important thing about music is that it's not just that by playing a song or listening to to any music that suddenly there 's a miraculous um, change in somebody 's life that music actually can be used uh, to calm harm, cause harm to people and and the, there is evidence of that that music is being used as a form of torture either being played repetitively um, in uh, volumes that are way too loud for days and days and days on end um, stopping people from sleeping and so on and we also know that you know music is often used as um, To kind of rally their troops, or or to to go before you go to battle in war, or or something like that. So, um, you know, there are definite uses of music that are not always for the positive benefit of all humankind. But I think that what I find really moving about music is, like, linked to what you were saying about the fact that there are songs that might have been written by someone you've never met who has had a completely different um, experience in terms of the language they speak, the food they eat, the country they live in. Um, they may have lived hundreds of years ago. You don't know anything about them. You might not even speak the same language. But if you listen to that song, it can move you to tears. It can make you want to dance or tap your foot. Or And that emotional communication across everything that that really connects with, with, on a human level, is, is something that I've, I think is really, really fascinating and, and really enriching for, for, for human beings. I'll be so
0: glad when, when the sun goes down. When the sun goes down. I'll be so glad when uh-huh. the sun goes down. When the sun goes down. I Right on, let's leave
1: it. But uh-huh. when I,
0: absolutely absolutely i mean like i'm i 'm fascinated by the science of dance, like why are some grooves just irresistible you know like you you literally you can 't sit still it 's impossible at least for me. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, like, I'm, I'm um yeah i'd love to do more research on that yeah it's
1: really interesting as well because certain music makes you makes you dance in a certain way as well i think that's you know all the different dance trends that come along um you know there's certain beats and you sort of you just watch everyone and everyone's dancing the same way because of the way the beat is that makes you move your hips in a certain way or i, I think oh that's really interesting as well yeah
0: yeah absolutely absolutely um so i'd, I'd like to know more about like so you work with a nonprofit. So I, I assume that a lot of your day is spent fundraising. Maybe I'm wrong, but but what what exactly like is your day to day life like? Like what what exactly do you do on a day to day basis?
1: Well, so I started the organization five years ago um, and uh, I had quite an idealistic outlook on how it was going to go and that, yeah, 90% of my time would be out there delivering the the projects and and chatting to people and and setting things up and um, getting things going and, and it the reality is that, yeah, you can only do that so far, you can only have an impact so far if if um, all the focus is is doing that, so um what I do now is a real mixture of um delivering projects. So I still work with um, the Toucher Survivors group that I was telling you about. Um, I work with them, and my role there is to as is as a music facilitator, whereby I use my skills and training in music to enable the people that I'm working with to express their own creative ideas exactly how they would like to do them and we work on that together and i make lots of different suggestions of what chords they might want what melody how the rhythm might go and then we we work together as a group to teach each other and then work towards performance Uh, so that's really exciting and at the moment we've got a new collaboration with a puppet theater company as well so the group have actually written um a story to go with the music that they composed um and that's going to be performed for refugee week on the 24th of june um i also do um work in schools with children as well and that's about going in and just really, really enjoying, playing music, doing lots of physical movement, having fun with learning different languages, and then talking to the kids, um, introducing them to the refugee musicians that we work with. Uh, the rest of my day is things like, yeah, writing funding applications, um, chatting to different organisations that we might want to work with, and then thinking about what our vision is. What are we? Are we doing? Are we having the maximum impact that we could have? Are we reaching enough people? Um, who are the most people? Who are the people most in need that we can that we can really support? And how can we uh, share and spread the things that we've learned to enable other people to do um, to do uh, work with refugees um, that really supports and that um, uh, that gives weight and meaning to music as a a strategy and a way of supporting people to overcome trauma.
0: Have you taught uh, music to people who are not refugees, who are not torture survivors before?
1: I did. I've done different projects um, not involved with this organization. Um, So I've worked with um, homeless people and I also um, was a co-facilitator on a project working with ex-service people so people who had PTSD but who were um British soldiers and um, I've also done a lot of projects in the community with uh, with Roma community as well which I absolutely love The music and Roma culture is really amazing and um, but the main thing I think because of the experiences that I had in Bosnia and um, my main sort of group that I, that I love to work with and that I've spent time building up ideas and and ways of developing what I do is is with people that have been affected by war.
0: Right. I guess I'm. I'm. I ask because I'm just curious how, like, the particular challenges of working with with people who have experienced war and hunger and torture and all the rest. Like, because I, I'm guessing that that some of these people, even their English skills, are not quite up to par. Obviously, because I, I assume they haven't spent all that long in the UK. They were raised in other cultures. I guess I'm curious about the the particular challenges you face working with with people like torture survivors and refugees, in terms of teaching <laughs> yeah. them music.
1: Yeah. So, well, I, I wouldn't say that I'm teaching music. I, I, um, for me, it's a kind of, it's a different approach. I'm sharing my skills, but as much as I'm sharing my skills, every single session that I have, I'm also learning from the people that I work with. I'll give you an example of that. So, um, and I'll come back to your point about English and stuff as well. But, um, yeah, I think quite often, in, in particularly in the charity sector, there's a view of... Um, the people who are running the charity are are the people who then help the beneficiaries And, and in some ways that's quite an unbalanced relationship and of course people who um who are here who who don't have access to um you know food and education all that sort of thing or who have experienced traumatic things definitely need support but but what I've always found um is that Every single session that I go to, I learn either about something about resilience or or, or the way that the, the, the human spirit and the mental capacity of people, disp- even though they've been through unspeakable things that have been committed by other humans, to still have this really kind of warm and uh, loving and peaceful and hopeful attitude towards life. And that, for me, every day, I think is something that that if you can think about and and uh, kind of be involved with is something really, really nourishing for your own life. Um, and, to, and one example about music as well, even though I've, you know, been learning music and thinking about music for, you know, over 20 years... The first session that I had with the group of torture survivors we were working with, we laid out all the instruments in the middle of the room and people can just help themselves and have a play and um, just just explore the sounds that they can make. And, um, and there was one girl who picked up a cello. And straight away, that was her instrument. She'd never played music in her life, but there was something about um, this cello that really spoke to her, and she ended up writing a poem about it, saying that she'd never felt this feeling in her life before, but now she'd found it she was happy, and she wanted to keep the feeling in her in her body and in her mind and in her heart. Anyway, we started talking about, because I play the violin, and um, she was saying that the, the thing she liked about the cello is... Um, the, the resonance that the, that instrument has and I, against the body and particularly um, against, for example, the heart. And I suddenly thought, well, my, my violin, when I play it, it actually rests directly on top of my heart, but I've never, ever thought about that before.
0: Hmm.
1: And so I went home that night and I just sort of, concentrated on playing a little bit differently and thinking about the relationship between the wood that's resonating and the movement of my arm and, 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 and the physical effect that, that that's having on my body. And, and suddenly the, the sound did sound much more rich and much freer. And my body felt freer. And so my playing was freer. And and so I'd actually learned something from someone who'd never done music before. Um. so I think that's, really um important point of the fact that it's not it's not a, a way uh beneficial relationship or, or a sort of a charity relationship um, in terms of people speaking English there's real mixed levels so some people as you say have never um done English before they come here um and some people are, are fluent English what we tend to do is with the project with torture survivors for example we do work with interpreters because it's really important because people have quite high anxiety levels sometimes in the beginning um they can only stay in the room for five or ten minutes and have to leave again because being in a group situation is incredibly stressful so the interpreters are really important there that that they're able to understand what's happening and what's going to happen next. And, um, and But also, particularly when we're doing the creative stuff, it's really important that um, they can understand and we can have an exchange about what it is they would like to write about. Um, but I've also worked in, in uh, refugee camps, in, for example, in Palestine and in Georgia and in Bosnia as well, where we'll have a group of about 100 children, none of whom speak any English at all. Um, but the way that we start off, which is really basic kind of copying and um clapping and what uh, body percussion, where you stamp your feet and you make different rhythms and you split the groups up and they literally just copy and observe so within about thirty seconds, you can get this multi layered percussion stuff going and then you start adding vocals on top of that just really simple call and response and immediately all all the children involved and there's been no words needed at all it's all just done through copying and through body movements and through really short simple vocal lines
0: yeah that sounds like a hell of a lot of fun (laughs) that's that's really cool
1: (laughs) it is it's brilliant it's really yeah it's amazing. And each time before I do it, I'm kind of thinking, Ooh, is this going to work? I'm not sure. You know, it's a new situation. I've never met anybody. What if you, you know, you start, you start off and and no one joins in and then, and then you kind of, okay, you've got an hour's session to do or whatever. and, And it's really not working. But I, but I've never ever so far been in a situation where, because we work in a circle as well. And there's just something, there's just something really, um, yeah i think it is because it's really fun and it sounds really cool straight away and it's not threatening in any way you don't have to have ever done any music in your life and you're still part of it and and you adding to to being part of it makes it what it is so everyone has an important role because if 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 people didn't join in then you wouldn't get the sound that you get so um yeah
0: you kind of answered my this question I'm about to ask you earlier when you're talking about how, um, in some ways, working with that young budding cellist has changed your violin playing. But I'm curious about more generally, on a personal note, like how is working with these people and how is working with this, this organization how has it changed you as a person?
1: Um, hmm, that's a really big question. I think there's two different things. The, the one thing that Three things, actually. So the, um, the one thing that really sort of, when I was a teenager, I went on a Quaker summer school because one of my best friends was Quaker. And that for me was the first point in my life where I was really introduced to um, social issues and to um you know the power of individuals collectively coming together to influence positive change within communities so we had talks by people from amnesty from fair trade from oxfam um and also you know the quaker movement is really fascinating they were the only organized institution certainly in britain who who actively opposed the slave trade um and they are huge pacifists as well so i think that experience kind of opened my mind a little bit to, to you know, what is the purpose of life and, and 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 what you can achieve as an as an individual, but but collectively as a group. Then going to Bosnia was a huge change in my life. Um, in some ways, it was an incredibly um, depressing and uh, powerless experience where. You you start off really thinking that you can make a difference and bring positive energy and 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 work with people and, and really sort of I got quite obsessed with the projects that I was working on and you know really trying to do something to to make people's lives a little bit better and to somehow balance out what what you know the horrific stories I was hearing that had happened to, to my friends and the people that I was working with um, and after a while that it, it just became overwhelming you. You sort of feel like you're just this tiny unit that that has no influence on anything and the, and and then it becomes to the point where what what's the point in doing anything and that that becomes a really difficult kind of phase to to manage um and what what I was really lucky with was starting the organisation here, because I really was I felt that when I was in Bosnia, I wasn't skilled enough, I wasn't trained enough, I didn't have enough knowledge. I did my best, but um, I actually wanted to then spend a lot of time thinking about how I could do what I was trying to do much better, and speaking to people who 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 were already doing it in lots of different um, fields, and um, through setting up Music Action International one of the first partnerships we had was with um, an organization called from Torture and they have a very therapeutic model where and they started talking to me about things like trauma and vicarious trauma and transgenerational trauma and and started to theoretically explain to me the things that I had felt on an emotional and personal level and suddenly all of that began to make a lot more sense. And I was I was given much better tools and strategies to be able to use my music skills, not only to look after myself and make sure that I'm mentally healthy and, and have the right um have the right energy and, and approach to what I'm doing to be able to do to be effective in my role, but also to have a much better understanding of the processes that the people that I was working with had gone through or or are going through. And so that's what um yeah that's what I'm really interested now is to kind of pass on the, the skills and knowledge that I've had and uh and to, to use that in a really positive way um in terms of how it's changed my life uh, um I mean it has changed my life I, I I I quit my job to set up the organization and um Every single day I was learning something completely different because like any small organisation, you have to figure everything out from building a website to um, actually what are your political views, how do you want to communicate what you're doing, who you're going to work with, do you have the skills to do it, where's your team coming from, all these things, you know, one after another, one after another. And I I found it very challenging but also really um, satisfying as well and really fulfilling when... um, when you do a performance and the feedback you get from people or something like that, um, you never, ever feel like you're doing enough, which is really tricky sometimes. But, um, yeah, it's something that gives me a really positive reason to get up in the morning. I think
0: that's great. That's great. That's what it's all about, right? Yeah. (laughs) Um, before I let you go, what is refugee week and how are you participating in that?
1: Refugee Week is um, an international celebration of refugee culture, which is not a... It's not a a unified thing. Refugees come from lots of different backgrounds, lots of different um, cultures, lots of different languages, lots of different music, food, arts, film. And that's what's really fascinating and interesting about it is you um, suddenly have the opportunity to hear a song from a tiny village in Eritrea that you would never, ever be able to access unless somebody who was from that village, you know, introduce you to that song. Um, and it's basically, yeah, it's it's a celebration of um of refugee culture and what refugees contribute to um, the countries that they that they are in. And it's also a way of raising awareness about who refugees are, what are their stories, and 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 using music and the arts to. Um, to create a sense of empathy and understanding amongst audiences, I think what in our experience we've found that if you talk to somebody and, and explain that somebody has been tortured, no one's going to think that that's a good thing or that that's that's right. And I think that the more that people are aware of the experiences that refugees have been through, but also the positive contributions that they that they make to the countries that they end up in, um, then life's just going to be better for everybody
0: <laughs> and and how how is your organization involved so are, are you are you staging concerts or or what
1: we are doing a few different projects we've got um we're doing a big thing um which is working with primary school children and um, and some of our refugee artists and that's at the south bank center in london we're also starting a new project with British Red Cross and we're working with young teenage refugees, a lot of whom are here without families and um, they're creating a new ensemble called Everyday People and um, working towards a performance. We're doing the new puppet theatre performance with Stone Flowers, our Touch Survivors group and uh, that's at the Bridgewater Hall in Manchester on the 24th of June and we're also working in primary schools all around uh, Manchester and London with schools and and, and refugee artists
0: that sounds like a busy week <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that's great and if people want to support your work uh what's how, how can they find you
1: uh our website is www.musicaction.org we're also on facebook and twitter as well
0: excellent well liz murphy thank you so much for your time today and, and thank you for doing the work you do
1: thank you so much it was lovely to talk to you
0: have it there's my chat with Liz Murphy I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you found it inspiring um, as as I did that uh, that there's really good people out there and there's a there's a very good organization doing work to um, to help people through music I, uh, I just think that's great a quick reminder that you can find show notes and links to everything we talked about in today's episode at travelsandmusic.com Uh, And you can find notes for this episode in particular at travelsandmusic.com slash refugee dash week. A quick reminder that if you're enjoying Travels and Music and you'd like me to keep making these episodes, please go to iTunes and make sure you subscribe to the show and leave a rating and review. I really can't emphasize enough how important they are. And I hope if you're in the UK, you can attend an event or two next week associated with Refugee Week. It sounds like a really good time and uh, certainly a worthy cause, and and, uh, I hope you can support them if you're in the UK. Until next time, my name is Zachary Stockhill. I'd like to thank you once again for spending part of your day with me today. And as always, remember that life is short. And in the words of the immortal Canadian rock band Trooper, we're here for a good time, not a long time. Take care of yourself, stay safe, and I'll talk to you again next week.